It is a Tuesday night, and Crossing Broadcast is back to give you the best in Philadelphia sports coverage. I think we're going to touch on all five teams tonight. It's uh, it's your your good old friend Russ at Joy on Broad, joined by my pal Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Kevin, I think we genuinely have a show sheet here that has uh, well, it's really not a show sheet, is it? Uh, that has all five sports, all five teams in town listed. So uh, it's just a bunch of tough uh, stuff you typed into the. Uh screen here and we can look at it or we can choose to ignore it we'll see if we get to it or not there was a time way back when when we used to do show sheets for this show and we were like so regimented in segments it was the worst thing we've ever done yeah the show is actually regimented and would would appear regularly as well yeah so now anytime we do it it's just kind of like a bonus it is yeah for the listeners uh you know before <laughs> but thank you for listening yeah we of course well and, and you know what kevin i mean in fairness yeah. it is uh it's also important that we do it because we have to pay the bills right and we have a we have an advertiser for today's show as we did for the last show and i think it's uh it's important that we probably you know plug them because uh they chose Go to they <laughs> they chose to uh to pay for this so here we are there you go all right so uh this episode of crossing broadcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Bryn Mawr Medical Specialist Association Cardiology at Lankanaw, which I called Lankanaw, I think, the last time, and it's Lankanaw. Uh, doctors Jason Bradley and Jeffrey Wool are conveniently located at 6 Lancaster Avenue in Wynwood, within walking distance from Lankanaw Hospital, where they are on staff. They have both been recognized as top docs in cardiovascular disease by Mainline Today magazine. They specialize in preventative cardiology, cardiovascular imaging, preoperative cardiac clearance, sports cardiology, and general cardiovascular care. Appointments are often available within 48 hours. They have a full on-site cardiovascular imaging suite where they perform cardiac and vascular ultrasound, stress testing, halter monitoring, and much more. And the best part? Parking is free. That's right, Kevin. Free. If you have any cardiac symptoms or concerns, or if you just want to make sure that your heart is healthy and stays that way, call them today at 484-380-2808. Again, that's 484 484- Three eight zero two eight zero eight. So a big thank you again to Bryn Mawr Medical Specialist Association Cardiology at Lankanaw. All right. So I just I had to mute it right there because I sneezed four times during the uh, during the sponsor read. Well, you know what? That's what we're here for. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you know, they can't. I don't know if they can check your uh, your cold symptoms, but they can certainly mm-hmm. make sure that your old ticker is working. So that's exciting. Well, I uh, got my my wife and I went down to Center City today. We got uh, our will, our final uh, will and testament, whatever the fuck it's called, done so that, you know, if I kick the bucket, like, who gets my stuff? I just want to let you know that I didn't leave you guys jack shit. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. It's really, wow. I I thought maybe one thing. No? uh, Here's the real question that people have, especially those who have been following uh, you on It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia for a long time. Who gets Baxter? Well, you'll have to find out when I'm dead. Aren't you? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get this thing started. I think the the first thing that we really have to get into, and it's something that WIP led with. I know we always used to uh, to bash on the radio stations for uh, for their awful topics, but there's a thing that came out on uh, Monday afternoon that really shook the foundation of the Philadelphia Eagles fan base, and I, I guess to some extent, maybe a little bit the organization itself. Joel Santaliquito. Is that how you say his last name? I don't even know. Joe Joe Santaliquido. Oh, man, I was so close. Uh, he came out with a, a a rather salacious article, post, report. I don't even know what we would consider it. And, and Kevin, I'm going to be honest. This is the kind of thing that, that just drives me absolutely insane. Whenever anybody comes after the site, our site, well, it's, it's really not mine. I have no ownership in it, right? But when anybody comes after Crossing Broad and, and you know, kind of goes with the idea that, 
you know, in the early days, Crossing Guard was really like a, a, a local TMZ. I think it's a pretty pretty fair way to classify it, right? There's yeah, There's yeah. been a paradigm shift, I would say, over the last two years into, you know, what it is now, where there are people like you, people like Anthony, who have been down around teams, who have been on the beat, who bring a sense of credibility to the site and the reporting. And, and I would say, even though he's not credentialed, Bob does a great job with you know, the baseball stuff fills out nailing his EPL picks every week. Uh, <laughs> and uh, by the way, that's as an aside, Phil's, uh, Phil's EPL picks, I think get the most love slash hate in the comments I've ever seen of anything. It's like a reoccurring post on the site. That's, mm. that's neither here nor there. We can talk about that yeah. later. Um, but whenever anybody goes after the site and, and kind of tries to discredit it just because of the early days of what crossing broad used to be, I kind of lose my mind because I'm like, I think about what you do. I think about what Anthony does. And like, I guess even a little of extension, the kind of stuff that I do with Anthony. And I think like, it's an unfair characterization of the site. And then you kind of look at like, well, who do people hold in high regard? Because we know that traditional media, like the Philadelphia Inquirer, people rail against, you know, guys like Bob Ford and, uh, and Marcus Hayes and company and Sam Carcitti, who fell for the TSN fake tweet mm. uh, a week ago, which was really embarrassing. Um, when you take those things into account, like it doesn't feel like people really trust the traditional media. So then they might look to a, a site like Philly Voice, uh, a place that you had once written for at, at, at one point. Yeah, I was uh, there for like a year and a half. And yeah. so I look at this and I say, like, you don't really know who you can trust. And then I look at this site and I think, well, Philly Voice, to some extent, like they've got infrastructure in place. Maybe you could speak to this a little bit better, mm-hmm. but they have infrastructure in place. Like there should be checks and balances when you go to report something. And this piece, just on the surface, smelled really fishy, and and it seemed off. Um, I can't yeah, imagine I mean, it running on our to... site. Is what I'm saying. I can't imagine between you. Or... It's not a really like a like even if Joe's sources are like a million percent correct, like. It's just such a risky kind of low low reward. It's like a high risk, low reward kind of piece anyway, because uh, people are going to, you know, first things first, because people don't like the subject matter in the story. There's a faction of people that are automatically just going to say it's shit because they don't want to believe it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they do, even if Joe's sources are good, like what does he get out of it? Like are people going to credit him for saying, wow, you got to the bottom of this, you've, you've, discovered that everybody hates the quarterback <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, so at it's, best yeah, yeah. at best like even if it's a good journalistic endeavor like then you realize the we're screwed is like, as a, as a yeah, fan base like we're screwed. causing causing strife in the in the locker room so it's just kind of, kind of like a high risk and low reward kind of thing in general um philly voice just some background for people um i uh where I was the union writer there for a while, a really great editor named Matt Romanoski, who used to run the sports department over there. And he was the executive editor as well. And he came over with, uh, with a bunch of the guys from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, like if you'll remember, Philly voice was spawned out of a dispute between, you know, an internal dispute with the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com. And so a bunch of people who all worked in the same building, they split and they went elsewhere. So Lexi Norcross runs the site um, she was at philly.com. Matt Romanowski was at philly.com. Uh, Matt Mullen, Jimmy Kemsky, um, a, bu- a bunch of those dudes, uh, Rich Hoffman, uh, before he went to the athletic, they all came out. So Philly voice was born out of a split with the inquire, but 
the case in point is that a lot of those people you would describe as like traditional media newspaper kind of people because that was where they came from, you know. Um, Matt Romanowski is no longer there. I worked with him there. I love to work with Matt. They have a new editor, uh, Evan Macy. You might know him. He's on Twitter. I think he writes a little bit for them as well, but he's sort of runs their sports department now. Uh, and Matt does writing and editing at the same time. I think they all kind of share it. But um, So where Joe Santa Liquido comes in is that Joe, Joe's a freelancer, and he's been a freelancer for some time. He writes for CBS. Um, he wrote for CBS, Philly.com, when I was working at CBS. He writes some stuff for voice. Uh, he does a lot on boxing. He's a boxing expert, and he writes a lot of stuff. But, he, but he's not like you know, he's not like a Jeff McClain. He's not a Zach Berman. He's not a Keith Pompey. Like, he's not a beat guy. He's not down there every day. Um, so that was kind of interesting as a number one thing to me. Like, why is this story coming out from a guy who's not down there all the time? But Joe's been around for a while, and he knows a lot of people, and he's done a lot of these stories. He did one of the Deshaun Jackson stories – um, back in 2014, everybody credits Elliot Shore Parks with that thing about the gang ties or whatever the hell it was. But Joe wrote a similar kind of thing for CBS back in the day. Um, so I don't know. And I think he kind of, I don't know if he got ripped for that or not. I can't really remember what the reaction was. It feels like that was so long ago. But there's a lot of like layers there. I, I don't know. You know, he said that it started about two months ago that his story started with just asking a source about Mike Grow and if Mike Grow is the problem, those are the problem why the offense wasn't really working that well. And that source, I guess, told him that no, it's not Mike Grow, it's Carson Wentz. And then he said he built on it from there, but he's done like three appearances on WIP in the last two days. And it, it like, it just feels to me like he's like going overboard, trying to justify it. Um, which is a red flag to me because everything I've ever written, that's kind of like that we believe in, uh, just double down on it. And you say, I trust my sources and I trust my reporting. Like you shouldn't feel the need to have to go defend yourself. You know, it doesn't really seem to hold up. Yep. I mean, I, I think the best equivalent for this would be like, if I went and reported that, uh, every young player in the locker room hates Claude Giroux and I, and I ran <laughs> like, what with do you, it. What do you get? What do you get out of that? But yeah, you know? there's, Whether there's nothing, there's not, nothing to get out of it. And I, yeah. you know what? And, and it's really not even a fair comparison because for as, as great of a player as Giroux is, you also know that there's a limited time frame left on how long he's going to be a you know an elite player. In the case of Carson Wentz, you would want to imagine that this is going to be like another what eight to ten years, give or take. So it's not even yeah. like and like you know on a I guess on one hand you could look at even a guy like Sharon and say like you know is he going to be an MVP candidate for the next couple of years? Probably not. Was Carson Wentz mm-hmm. the likely MVP candidate last year before he he tore his ACL? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, but the, I, I have found it interesting the way that Joe has gone on to WIP, the way that he um, initially talked to Marcus Hayes, and Marcus Hayes ended up that writing a really piece strange. about it. Why the fuck would you talk to a competitor uh, about the journalistic process that went into it? Like, that doesn't I, help. I that doesn't, like that doesn't help Joe at all. Like, how does that help Joe? So here's my thought on it. Because he knew that if he reached out to somebody at the Inquirer, all of the traditional media people, anybody who is somebody who, who doesn't subscribe to the notion that new media or anything that's based online mm. could actually put out anything of substance, he thought, you know what, I can get the, let's say the middle-aged crowd. Let's just say that, that middle-aged people are the ones who are going to you know, be the newspaper people, whatever. Yeah. He thought that if he aligned himself or got a pat on the back from somebody like Marcus Hayes or maybe like a Les Bowen or a Paul Domowich, that or even a Bob Ford who does what columns now, right? He he mm-hmm. does like the occasional post. So yeah. if if he got the approval of one of those guys, that might give him some credibility with another group. 
it ended yes. up backfiring, I right? Guess. Because I don't know why Voice the, would have approved that though, because remember they don't like philly.com or you know the well Inquirer, who's to you know? say that he went and got their approval now i, didn't I, mean, I don't the know Marcus i mean Hastings, i don't so. i don't know if he would have to because he's not he, like he's, he's not again, a, he's, he's a not freelancer on, like it's yeah, the he's same payroll like i did not go into the office at voice i just sent them stuff as a freelancer but i was free to write for whoever the hell else i wanted to or talk to whoever the, the hell else i wanted to but in, in yeah. this case like if it's such a big exclusive for voice i would have said to him look like let's you know yes you are a freelancer but we are all going to own this together like work with us on the follow-up or the fallout or whatever the reaction is to when the story drops, you know? Yeah. This, it, but you know what, Russ, it's like, it's, it's interesting. Cause we, we, you know, I think a good comparison is like the story that, um, Kyle and I did together on the, uh, NBC sports Philadelphia yeah. with the anonymous employees and former employees. Um, and I think generally that was really well received, but why was ours well received? I, number one, because I think probably, probably people, had this preconceived notion that NBC Sports Philadelphia was a bunch of fuck ups at the top, not you know, not the employees, but like at the top. And so they probably were already believing what they were reading before reading it, you know? But yeah. I mean we we didn't really do you know, again, we have anonymous sources. But our sources are anonymous obviously because you know, they're employees, they don't want to get fired. They're trying to protect their job. They're you know, they don't want to be outed as, you know, bad bad eggs who were disgruntled or whatever the hell um i see all these people criticizing joe for like well anonymous source is this anonymous source is that when is a source not anonymous like what it's, does yeah, it make it does so it rare. make it was it make it feel make it feel better if, if he said like you know a source in the uh eagles offense okay well that's that's more specific sure but then again all you're doing is just jeopardizing <laughs> your source well, you, yeah like you're, you're causing, your source yeah you're causing you're causing you know people to go and start looking like like i know what it's like when i when i used to break union stories i'd get emails from people the next day that say so and so is on the fucking warpath like looking trying to find out who talked to you you know so you can't risk you can't risk those people so i yep. mean sources are sources are always going to be anonymous you know but I, I just don't think joe helped himself at all by you know going on this like wip tour he was on yesterday monday with john um and rob ellis was filling in for ike on the holiday and then he was on with Jody later that night at 10. And I didn't even know that I missed that. But then when I woke up this morning and told the Angelo stuff with, with him on there, um, Howard Eskin was on there. They had, let me say something about this. Dave fucking Spadaro on WIP this morning, giving his take on the article. He's a team employee. He's on the employee. He's on the team payroll. What the fuck do you expect Dave Spadaro to say? Yeah. Like Dave, what did you think about the article? Well, I thought it was great. Carson's an asshole. <laughs> Come on, like what the? F I wish people would just stop putting Dave on <laughs> fucking like anything because you know, like if you're gonna put Dave on something, like ask him to break down the film or talk about a feature story he wrote or something because he's only he can only have one opinion. He's only allowed to have one opinion because he's on the team payroll. So, yep. but they keep putting him in those situations and he keeps taking them. So I I don't know, but I don't think I, Joe. I like I just don't know. Like it just sounded like Joe is really defensive. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think for people who are kind of wondering or who might be, you know, some of those fans who, you know, criticize the idea of using an anonymous source, there was an episode of Snow the Goalie that we did, I want to say about a month, month and a half ago, where Anthony kind of broke down, at least on his side of things, like the four different classifications of what a source is and how good they are and like how you vet them. And mm -hmm. that was that was really good. That, act, that episode got a, a lot of really good feedback because it, it really did pull back the curtain on you know, why there are certain kinds of sources that, that you can use information from. And then the way that you kind of have to speculate 
You know, this happened earlier in the season. I should do a pod. Yeah, Anthony and I should do a pod on. I think on you should. That. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Maybe we'll do. Yeah. You know what? Share some I think trade we could schedule that. Stuff. Yeah. We, probably, we should we schedule, schedule that. We should schedule that. Maybe we'll schedule it for later this week. Together. Yeah. Have uh, the sources yeah. podcast. Uh, yeah, sources. Well, sources say is the thing that uh, NBA Ringer sh- or Ringer NBA showed us. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if we could take that. We'll have to get somebody's approval. But anyway, it, the the thing about it is, this happened earlier in the season. There there was a, a, a on the the Flyers side of things. Mm-hmm. There was a a person who forwarded on to Anthony that um, there was a meeting going on. And it was concerning Ron Hextall. And at the time, nobody was talking about Ron Hextall losing his job. It, it was it was something that we had kind of touched on very briefly that, you know, he might, there might be a little bit of heat there, but everybody thought that the coach Dave Hextall was going to be, you know, let go soon. And this person reached out and said, yada, 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 like Hextall could very well be the one. Not a lot of people know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So Anthony looked at me and he goes, we can't report this as fact. We have to speculate because only X amount of people know or whatever about whatever the... Correct, yeah. The... I didn't want to say much more than that, but like... You have to, we you have to, long, we have to launder we, the information. Yeah, it's like you yeah. can't just come out and say specifically that this thing is happening at this moment in this place because if you do, you're probably going to burn that source and you can't have that happen. So I said, yeah. okay. How do we get to it? And Anthony's like, well, we, you know, when we do the press row show, we have to speculate. We can't come out and, and definitively say that this is what's happening, even though we know that the likelihood of it happening now has just jumped from like 40 percent to 90 percent. We can't go with it. You just can't because yeah, you right, risk burning right. that source. And from a fan's perspective, I can get that, like being pissed off that like, well, why can't you just report every rumor you hear? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Like agents, players front office people, coaches, like they all have their own agenda. If you were to report everything, you would have, you know, what, 90% of it is nonsense, right? Even mm-hmm. a, with a with a good locker room where somebody might respect you, like it still would probably be like 75, 80% nonsense. So you can't report everything that you hear, even if you know some of it's true. And so, you know, I get why fans would be upset when they see anonymous source, but like I look at this piece and it felt to me like it was written with bias right off the bat. And that well, was when before, you go back to, and, yeah, well, especially when you yeah, go that was back before. and look at his history. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah. before you would go back and people started digging up his old tweets about Carson Wentz, like it felt, as I read it, I, I thought this sounds like a guy who doesn't like Carson Wentz. And, and the way that he had sourced things and the things that he was pulling for the story, it felt flimsy. And, and then like, I think part of me, I went... Well, you know what? Like Philly Voice, somebody over there has to have some kind of integrity when they go to look at this thing. It had to be vetted. And like you would think that in vetting it, like they might have asked Joe, like, who's one of your sources? Let's like legitimize this thing and make sure that it's not just like, you know, I, well, I still yeah, you would say have... that like Alshon Jeffrey makes the most sense, maybe as as one of the people who might have contributed to this. There there had been things earlier it was Justina Anderson early in the season had had reported that uh you know, some people weren't happy with how they were being used. It was very clear that that was Alshon. But, like, it's one thing to have Alshon Jeffrey on the record and then, you know, give him an, an, an anonymity and not anonymity. 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 All right, so yeah. give him that, right? It's a different thing to have Alshon or to have, like, Alshon's friend Frank, who, like, had two beers with him two nights yeah. ago, right? And well, I don't know what it was here, but it's well, it, it seemed to lean more to the latter than to the former. So... 
Yeah, I mean, an interesting point on that. Number one, I'll say that like Matt Mullen's a really good dude and solid, and I have no idea. I have no doubt that he would like put this thing through the ringer and and make sure it was good. I, I don't know Evan really, so I'm not really sure what he's all about. I know Matt Romanowski probably. I don't know if he would be the guy that would have run something like this, but that's not that's not to make you know indict Evan because I don't know him and I don't know what kind of what kind of editor he is, but. Um, I will say honestly, and this is kind of like a trade seat, not really a trade seeker, but just a personal experience. I don't know anything about Joe's sources or whatever the fuck, but two points here real quick. Number one, when Kyle and I did the NBC sports Philadelphia story, I talked to all of the, the anonymous sources. Right. But I told Kyle like who, who I named some names, but I also said, um, I was also comfortable telling another way you can do it to, to talk to your editors is you can say, this person is a former anchor or something you could say this person is a current technical director you know so you can tell your editor and you can share that without blowing your own sources because remember joe's a freelancer so he's he's not gonna you know he's got to protect his his investment as well you know yeah like he's not just gonna tell like evan macy or jimmy kemsky or matt mullen um like hey i you know talked to alshon jeffrey and i talked to like well, Wendell Smallwood's barber or something, you know, like he's, he, he's, he can be vague with that kind of I've stuff. I've spoken to Donald Pump, Donald Pumphrey's half brother. <laughs> yeah. And remind me to go through the list of the players who have come out to back him. But, but real quick, the second point, <clears throat> when I, when I was breaking stories on the union beat, I had, I had some people that I worked specifically with, but I had, um, I had a lot of success with what I would describe as like proxies, like a proxy source. And what I mean by that is like, um, somebody who talks to the source, or I'll, I'll explain it this way. The source talks to this person and then this person talks to you. So for example, like one of the sources that I had with the union that was really, really good was uh, there was a person in the front office who would say a lot of things to a fan and then the fan would talk to me. And so the source never knew where the information was coming. Like they never knew that I was getting stuff from them. Um, and I think I know that it was, source, I don't think I know who that is. Well, don't out, don't out that person on this. I'm not going we can, to. We can talk, yeah. Uh, yeah, off the, off the, off air, quote unquote, off pod. Um, but so this person would say something to the fan, who would then say something to me, and because of that, the information was like pure. You know, it was unfiltered because if, if you get it secondhand from somebody that you trust, you know, it's not, um, you know, some contrived bullshit. They're not trying to spin a narrative, or they're not trying to fake you with a leak or something like that. Um, I'm reading what you're typing. Close but I'll explain it to you later. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like that's one way to protect yourself. Cause a lot of what I'm learning now at the Sixers beat as I try to sniff around like a little bit here is that there's a lot of like bullshit agent, dri- agent driven bullshit and agendas and stuff. And they try to give you bad information. So I know that if the, if the source has no idea that it's, it's coming to me, then they can't bullshit me on it, you know? Yep. So proxies were really, 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 really worked for me. And if Joe is using proxies at the same time, uh, then I can understand it being legitimate. But again, it's like you, you have to, he doesn't do himself any favor. I think the theme with, with the whole thing is that he just never did himself any favors with this. You know, he didn't do himself any favors with the past stuff that he said about Carson. He didn't do himself any favors by going on WIP four times. You know, he didn't do himself any favors by talking to Marcus Hayes. So I, I don't know. It's I just, just weird. It's yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And it was mishandled. Like yeah, at, I, at some I just, point just, you just kind of have to say, you, even if I stand tra- by, I stand by my story, and that's it. I'm sticking and to like, my story. I'm from Jamaica. If I wasn't, why would I wear this hat? You know, 
You use that on It's Always Soccer, and here we are on Crossing Broadcast. I know, but I know that you're not going to get it, but if any of the, the I'm is sure our listeners have actually seen Half Baked, yes. There so, you go. All right, well, you um, know but you got to that's learning. all it is, Russ, dude. You just got to like so. So the other wrinkle then is the list uh, of Eagles and former Eagles that came out to defend Carson Wentz is up to thirteen okay. now, um, which yeah. leaves a lot of people who very clearly agree with Joe Santaliquita Whittle Whittle Halapulavati <laughs> Vitae. <laughs> Well, now what are we doing? So is it like process of elimination to see who does, who like... Look, who, who Alshon Jeffrey's one of the people. Defending? It's very clear that Alshon's one. And I have to be honest, I don't even blame Alshon. I really don't. And I know that you pulled the numbers that Carson Wentz targeted Alshon more than we thought he did. But they were different types. Yeah, and they were, and but they were our they conclusion were was kinds. that there were different types of targets. You know, exactly. Where it was like Nick, Nick trusted... Alshon to go up and, and make a contested back shoulder throw, whereas Carson's Carson was throwing him a bunch of bullshit late slants and stuff that wasn't down the field, you know. Yep. Whereas you know, and then the criticism with Ertz because the, when you do when you do the numbers that way too, the Ertz and Jeffrey targets really were not that much different for each quarterback. But the, if you look at their receiving charts and where they were catching the ball and how they were throwing to him, obviously Zach was like a safety blank uh, blanket safety. Yeah, he was he was Carson, like Jason you know? Witten used to be for Tony Romo. As a young quarterback, let me right? read. Let me, yeah, no, you're right, exactly. Um, let me read. Tony Roma, by the way, probably knows who the source is. <laughs> Fletcher <laughs> Fletcher Cox was the first to come out and defend uh, Carson Wentz ten thirteen on Monday. Brandon Brooks ten nineteen a.m. Monday. Lane Johnson ten fifty five a.m. Monday. Zach Ertz ten forty seven a.m. Tory Smith eleven twenty one. Nate Sudfeld eleven fifty two. Uh, Jason Kelsey talked to uh, Nick Fierro at some point between that i think uh from the morning nick from the morning call uh camus grugier hill five o'clock monday steph wisniewski 521 malcolm jenkins avante maddox uh, chris long and wendell smallwood via instagram malcolm um, jenkins to me was a big one that was one i was waiting for well he's like um, the captain everybody was sort of like when's he gonna speak up and like shut this shut this shit down as the, uh, the Negan, rumor Negan is say, the rumor is that Jason Peters got 80% of the way through typing up his statement, and then he had to walk away from his phone limping and was unable to return to the text. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, listen, man, you're consistent with it. All I can say is that if you're going to say something, stick to it and don't flip-flop. That's all you can do, you know? Uh, no, I mean, that's really the point. I, you know, the thing with the Alshon Jeffrey thing. So like to take it back, if people don't remember, Justina Anderson came out like in the middle of the year with this report on her, on like NFL live or whatever, where she said, somebody's like, they're targeting Ertz too much. The, f- I don't, I don't know. What was it, the gist of it? Like, the yeah, it was, they were targeting Ertz too much. It's not a balanced offense. People have, a this Super isn't how Bowl we were successful over. last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right. Guys so, didn't come out with the same fire. Yada, yada, yada. So, all true. All, all very true. No, it was all true. But Brandon Lee Yalton from uh, Bleeding Green said, like, you know, Josina Anderson has actually used, has actually provided on record information from Alshon in the past. Um, and he had, like, a bunch of links to tweets and stuff like that. So I took it a step further and said, yeah, this might be, Justina Anderson's source might be Alshon Jeffrey because, you know, this just kind of matches up here, right? Um, yep. So I think that's why people are saying you need Alshon, Alshon to come out and say, I, you know, Carson Wentz is my boy. I love him just to, f- you know, assuage. To kind of quell those this, rumors. Yeah, just yeah. say this, to call bullshit on it, you know. So <clears throat> I don't know. But then it gets into an issue. Like I said, rumor we're, we're is that Alshon Jeffrey was actually uh, out buying a Mosin Nagant to uh, go hunting with uh, with Ertz and, and Wentz in the offseason. He, uh, he totally missed the whole thing. 
do you think here's what I find interesting like everybody is sits here and says like Carson Wentz a devout Christian guy you know uh Nick Foles a devout Christian guy you know um it doesn't mean so to me it's like I think we automatically think that like oh they're like amazing people and they can do no wrong and they never have a complaint about anything I, I don't I think because of that, the way they are, and because they are have a strong faith and whatnot. Obviously, they're not assholes. They're nice guys. They're very reasonable. But it doesn't mean that Carson Wentz might not have like like as Joe described in the article, like if he didn't want to run Foles stuff, quote unquote Foles plays like RPOs and stuff like that. Doesn't mean he's a dickhead. Yeah, you know, it just, it means, just he means he knows what he that, wants. Like he, yeah, he knows what he wants. So it's not. It wasn't. There's a lot I, of I didn't, that I didn't with get elite it quarterbacks to too. This, it's not like. Do you, like, do you not think Peyton Manning did that? Do you not think that Tom Brady Tom did Brady, that? Yeah, I know. So it's not, it wasn't you know like, I mean? like, to me, to me, I think people were making, were like, were getting the wrong impression that he was saying that like Carson Wentz is like a douchebag or something. But I don't think he was saying that he was a douchebag. I think he was just trying to say that like, he's a little domineering and a little controlling in those situations. But if I was a quarterback and I was running the freaking offense, like, of course I would want to run with what I'm more comfortable with. If I was the captain of my fucking adult soccer team on Saturdays, I would prefer to play a four, four, two that, you know, so it's not, I don't, I don't think there's any, that didn't seem like it was that. Why can't, why, I think people why can't he bo- be more like uh, old blue eyes, Mike McMahon or like Chris Berman's favorite Jake daylight come and you got a Delome, you know, anyway, I'm done. I'm sorry. You're doing pretty well tonight, man. You're. I keep. Uh, I keep taking us rolling, off. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So, this what is, other? What, I mean, are there any other angles to the? We didn't really get no, into the story itself, but I think that's been. People have probably heard enough about. It's, it's gotten picked up. That shit. Enough. I'm just more interested in I, like the the journalistic aspect of it, you know. But like, and you that's saying, why people are here. Like you were saying earlier, man. It's like it's not like Crossing Broad now has Anthony and I who've come from journalism backgrounds, you know. So it's it's, it's just like a melting pot of like content. It's not really like because of the digital age and stuff like that, it's just, it made, you know, the platforms were just a lot more, you know, everybody had a platform. And it was just more accessible and there's money in different places, you know? So it wasn't yep. like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what the hell I'm trying to say here. I just think that like, it's more of a, like a mishmash than, than it used to be. I mean, just cause you write for a blog or you write online doesn't mean like now you have, bloggers who have like journalism degrees and shit so yeah it's it's just different information on different platforms but it's more of a you know it's more of a horizontal integration than a vertical kind of thing if that makes any sense i just kind of wait for the moment and and i know it's going to happen at some point you're going to break a sixers story and i'm going to be interested to see (laughs) i don't know if if i want to man i'm just saying it's going to happen inevitably you're not going to be able to help yourself you're going to break the story (laughs) And when you do, I just want to see if anybody gives you credit for it. Because I know that on the hockey side of things, it just doesn't happen. And I'm wondering that at some point, if somebody goes, yeah, you know what? That Kevin Kincaid guy who's always wearing that awful West Virginia hat to the Sixers games well, getting on national TV. <laughs> I had no idea the camera was even there, man. I was like, get the he looks like so freaking miserable. And I'm like, why is he miserable? Oh, that's right. He's wearing a West Virginia hat. No, dude, um, I'm always, I, always look, I always look tired at those games because like I'm working on the site from like, eight in the morning till like four thirty or five, you know, and then I take like a short break and then I go down to the Sixers. Like I'm on my second shift at that point, yeah. you know? So everybody, like whenever I'm down there, I'm always like fucking tired and like trying to drink 
caffeine or whatever the hell it looks like it probably looks to people like i don't give a shit like one shit about the six years but that's like not true at all it's just because like all those other guys who go down there like pompey is not working like nine to five before he goes down to the Sixers game you know like, no, that's and, his job well, so it's it, yeah well think about what happens with me right i i get up at 5 30 i go to my job <laughs> yeah. and you got I'm, two kids I'm, man i'm i'm off i'm i'm out there i'm out there doing my job yeah and then I hop in the car, I drive the hour to Philly, I go down, I get myself ready, I sit yeah. in a dark Wells Fargo center for a couple of hours, Anthony shows up, the rest of Media Row shows up, we do the Press Row show, I get home at like 1am or whatever on uh, on Flyers game nights, yeah, and then I get, yeah. I get like four hours of sleep, I, and I go back and do it again, but I also have to fake being really happy for the Press Row show, right? Actually, I'm not faking it. Even though the team's terrible, like I'm always excited to be down there and doing it, it's... <laughs> It's really strange. So, I don't know. There's something wrong with me. But uh, so I have, uh, I have two. Are we done with the Eagles discussion? By the way, Is there I think so. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't I, think there's anything. Yeah. I have two stories to share from the Sixers game last night. There's a lot sure. going on down there. Num- Sixers won. Number that was story one. Oh, okay, number one. I kind of, I kind of like. It's kind of like a rant. It's just something that bugs me. Like you know how, I'm sure everybody who's listening can relate to this at some point. You go down to the Wells Fargo Center, you go down to Lincoln Financial Field, you go down to Citizens Bank Park, right? Whatever one. You're waiting in line to turn left or to turn right. You're waiting your turn. You know, the cars are backed up. There's always some fucking asshole who drives right by you and tries to cut into the front of the line. Or, you know, there's a left turn lane and they turn left out of the straight lane and they just try to cut in front of everybody. So... I don't know what the deal is. It took me like 45 minutes to get down there last night. I was just like so fucking like annoyed with, I was like two degrees out. Like I hate the cold weather. I was just like miserable for some reason. And this guy tried to, this guy in this huge fucking truck comes up and tries to cut in front of like 15 people. So I just keep going and going and going. And he's trying, he's trying to get in like right in front of me. And so I don't let him in. Like I just fucking cut him off. Like I drove my quote unquote woman's truck in front of his so that he couldn't get get in and the guy like is like really fucking annoying so i just rolled down the window i fucking flip him off and he rolls down his window he's like what's your fucking problem pal blah 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 something like that and he's got he's got a kid in the car he's got his like 10 year old son in the car so i you know i don't think he cursed at me i think he said like i don't know he said, he said like you're a douchebag or something and i said, I said you're already not a credible like, enough witness yeah. and you were involved no directly. i was like dude fuck off like wait wait in line just wait your turn like don't be the asshole that, like cuts in front of everything and he's like well i do, well it's cash only back there and i couldn't get it and he was pointing to the to the lincoln financial field lot where you can turn you can park in there before sixers games and yeah. i'm like i'm like how could you not know that it's that it's cash only what fucking parking lot lets you put your credit card give your credit card to the attendant you know what's well, Fargo so, center it at the not not at the um not at the one gate is all cash only. Which gate? The where the media entrance is where everybody comes in off by Fly. Yeah. Yeah. You can no, hand has your credit. credit card there. Yeah. Since when? I'm I'm pretty sure. Actually, I don't know. I've never seen. I'm mostly hand sure. Credit card. <laughs> I'm mostly sure that you can. But so the because point- they actually have a sign for cash only. If they have a sign for cash only, then doesn't that imply that there's a line that you can do credit? No, I, I swear. Think no, there's there, there's at least only, one gate at Wells key. Fargo Center. There, there's at least oh, one because well, I it's remember not, it's definitely not the one that we that we enter for sure. Because I've never you seen know what I actually stopped credit card I stopped, ever. I stopped pulling off there because I don't know how you get down there. But when I get off of uh, was it 95? Well, where do you where's I, your media I, parking for the Flyers? No, I, in the same we're in F lot. Okay, but I park. I go in on the other side. That really awful merge ramp uh, before you would even get to like Citizens Bank Park. I I yeah. take that little. 
edging the, I don't know, the, the short, the short path. And then I drive yeah. along the side of Wells Fargo center. And then I'm like, okay, whatever. People don't care about this. They don't want to hear about no, it. No, no, no. But it's like, but so the guy, no, I'm 99% sure that you can park with a card. I've I don't know why you wouldn't anybody hand a card, but like when you go down to a game, like, isn't it obvious, like bring cash for parking. Anyway, he tried to get into the Lincoln financial field lot and that, and that lot is only is definitely only cash. So he's like saying, he's like, well, it was cash only there. I couldn't get in. I'm like, well, it doesn't mean that you can be a douchebag and just fucking cut everybody off then, you know? And he's like, he's like, why don't you watch your language with the kid in the car? I'm like, well, don't teach your kid to be an asshole and fucking cut in front of everybody, you know, like wait in line like the rest of us and just fucking, I don't know. It's just like something bad that just pisses me off. It's always some like entitled fucking dude who thinks he doesn't have to wait in line like the rest of us and he can just like go fucking cut in line or something why because he drives a big ass truck I, I don't know but anyway so that's one story that was kind of a dumb story but anyway um like during halftime of the game last night i go to the um go to the media bathroom the media bathroom's terrible on the bottom floor it's like two urinals um and like a toilet that hasn't been cleaned in like 20 years and uh, I hear this guy, this guy comes in behind me, like barges into the bathroom and just runs in there and closes the door. And I'm like, shit, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And uh, he just starts like like puking like his, his guts out like I've never heard in my entire life. I seriously thought, I was like standing at the urinal at the time and I was like really uncomfortable because obviously I had to like, I had to go to the bathroom. I couldn't like leave. <laughs> this guy's like this had you made eye contact with this guy before he then, started hurling? No, he was wearing like blue, like a blue like track suit or something. I don't know if he was like on the Sixers dunk squad or if he was like an employee or something like that. Maybe it was Joe Santa Liquido. <laughs> no, it wasn't Joe Santa Liquido. But this you guy, sure? this guy was like, are you sure? Dude, Russ, I thought this guy was going to die, man. I thought I was going to have to go, <laughs> go get like, go get an EMT or something because he was making these sounds that sound, that were like, <laughs> it sounded like he was trying to get out like more than vomit, man. It sounded like he was trying, like he had, like he was like possessed by a demon. So he kept going, like he's trying to exercise he, he the demon. Like, yeah. He was like, <laughs> 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 it was like, it was like a fucking like a, in the I don't know in the movie Alien when you get those things in your uh, the things trying to come out of your chest. Or so I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the guy was gonna like kill over and have a heart attack. Like I, I stopped before I went out of the bathroom. I was like, "Fuck, is this guy?" Right? And so I just like, I kind of just stood there. I, I like washed my. I acted like I was washing my hands longer than I was just to like <laughs> to make sure he doesn't die. Sure the guy was all right. Too. I've never, I've never heard anything like that before in my entire life. I don't know what he ate. If he had like food poisoning, if the dude was like drunk as shit, like I have never heard anything. Like that. And I was I was a resident assistant at, at West Virginia, so I had drunk kids coming back like every single night, like puking all over the place. But dude, this guy sounded like he, like he was like vomiting his soul or something. Like I have no other way to describe it. It was like very it was like very unnerving. I felt <laughs> I went and sat down. I was like, wow, I'm like kind of like like unnerved by that whole thing. But it's a terrible bathroom. I wish I hope nobody ever has to go in there ever so. we have a similar one up in the balcony but yeah. i can tell you that uh it definitely does get clean so that's yeah. nice so anyway let's talk about cory brewer yo so uh cory brewer goes in and his first game is a sixer on his 10-day contract and takes a uh, a late charge everybody loves him he goes and he pulls a lance stevenson to lebron james on james harden and it was incredible yeah i, I think that that's that's kind of like a storyline within itself right like he's yeah. he's yeah. tj mcconnell crossed with lance stevenson he's he's like mr gritness himself they were like they play they had a little bit of asshole in them last night and like it's effective you know like 
James Harden was kind of off his game. Yeah, he scored 37 points. But, you know, he it's, without Clint Capella in there, it's, I mean, of course he's going to be taking every shot and the pick-and-roll game is going to be different or whatever the hell. But TJ was getting in his face a little bit. Corey Brewer was getting in his face a little bit. Joel had the block on him before halftime. Um, and got in his face. Ben Simmons got in his face. Ben I mean, it, it, was, it was yeah, pretty it was much like a, a team, team effort yeah. to try to get in Harden's head. Now, Harden is See, that's not so like, exceptional that it, it's not going to work. Yeah. But when you look at it, I mean, that, that team is, is ISO to the max, right? Even mm-hmm. when, when Chris Paul is healthy, they're a heavy ISO team. But since Chris Paul went out, and yeah, Clint Capella is out, really the entire offense is predicated around James Harden. And, and can James Harden so, outscore... <sighs> The other team's starting yeah, lineup. Right, they, right. You know, Eric Gordon had a had a poor game, at least a poor first half. Yeah, yeah, he did. You look at it, and like guys that typically contribute to that team were just no shows. And you know, to yeah. to some extent, for Harden, like he he struggled at at points in that game. Um, they had what twenty seven in the first half. Wasn't it such a weird, <laughs> such a weird thing? How <laughs> so? Corey, Corey Brewer's on a ten day contract. Jimmy Butler's injured, and so they say to him, okay, you're going to guard James Harden. And then on the other side, Kenneth Kenneth Fareed, who I think I brought up on this podcast like four weeks ago, and I think you might have laughed at me, but Kenneth Fareed – oh, no, that was something else. That wasn't you. That was something else. Kenneth Fareed is pulled off the Brooklyn bench and thrown right in, and they say, okay, here's your first game with the Rockets. You're guarding Embiid. Yep. <laughs> like, but, but this guy is sick. What the, fuck, what the fuck do you want me to do? But – um. I mean, you do have to. Kenneth Freed actually would have been a pretty good pickup for the Sixers, but that's that's neither here nor there. Well, he'd be like he would give you what Bolden gives you, like energy wise, yeah. but he's no not, range, he's good, not a good range. rebounding ability. Yeah, he's like a, a different thing. He's like a better Trevor Booker at this at this point. He's a better Dario Saric. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. He's a totally different just, player. <laughs> Other than that, being he is totally big. He is big. He can rebound the ball. But you know what it is? It's like he is they, Dario Saric. They, I know people look at those kinds of teams and get fucking annoyed. Like when you're picking up face guarding full court and you know, kind of like talking trash and stuff like that. But there's a there's a difference between what the Sixers did last night and like John Cheney sending in a goon to foul somebody on purpose. Didn't John Cheney just turn sixty two? I think it was like his birthday or something. I think Calipari gave him a shout out. Yeah, actually, I think that was and it. And Cheney said, "I'll kill you." <laughs> Happy birthday! I'll kill I'll you. Kill you. <laughs> but like when he sends Nehemiah Ingram in to to injure somebody, <laughs> that's that's obviously you know what this the Sixers were like. Probably if if that you know if it was like the Boston Celtics doing that, all the Sixers fans would be fucking annoyed, obviously. But when TJ's mm-hmm. doing it and Corey Brewer's doing it, you're like, okay, wow. If it's a, I told Corey after the game, I'm, I, it wasn't even a question. Like I don't even know what I was saying to him. Oh no, I asked him. I said, um, I said, when's the last time the crowd has been chanting your name in unison in an arena? And he laughed and he's like, oh, it's it's happened once or twice before because I've been on some good teams. But and then I said to him, I'm like, you know, you're a, like a cult hero in this town already. You know, because all, all it takes is like one hustle play where you're Aaron Rowan and you run face, face first, first into, into the events, thing yeah. and you've spent 10, you know, hours living in the city, but you're like a cult here. By the way, um, the Sixers now, I don't, I didn't double check the stat, but I just put it in the story anyway. Um, according to Jamie Lynch, the bro at 97.5, the Fanatic, the Sixers are now 10 and 2 with Kendall Jenner in attendance. Good for them. And somebody said when, uh, on Twitter, when, when you asked when you asked uh, Corey Brewer a question, did uh, did Embiid just look at him and go, "Oh, you're trash"? 
<laughs> Your trash coin. He said, "I can't." Yeah. yeah. The third part of that. Why are you asking? Why are you asking him a question? He's he not even. You? He's not even a good player. I can't believe he asked you a question. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he asked fucking, you a question. You're, you just have to trust the process. You're tr- you know? you're trash. You're fucking trash. I can't believe he asked you a question. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. He's always just in his own feelings, uh, you know. Man, Corey Brewer said more to the media than Wilson Chandler has uh, so far. In, in I have so many tenure. questions. It's a good thing that they don't let me down there to uh, to cover the Sixers at all, uh, because I would have so many questions about Wilson Chandler's neck tattoos and face <laughs> tattoos. I just have so many questions. Maybe that's how he's, I can get him. To he's open like the African American version of Chris Anderson, the Birdman, <laughs> except his also don't look like they were drawn on with Crayola crayons. So, like on a positive note, his tattoos actually look Did legit. They- like if I ran into Wilson Chandler, I would be highly afraid. Yeah. If I ran into Chris Anderson, I would just be like, "Who hurt you?" They didn't you know? cross paths, did they? Because they both played for Denver, but not at the same time. Anderson right? and Chandler, I don't know. Because Chandler was there after Chandlerson. His days. Ooh, Chandlerson. Because Anderson was is in de- was in Denver a long time ago before he went to Miami, right, and won the title with LeBron. Are you actually going to make me look this up? Yeah, Google, up. try to Google the overlapping careers of Wilson Chandler and uh, Chris. I'll just the, pull their the I'll pull their basketball Anderson. reference page. Some guy. No, I don't time. want. Oh, I'm getting Owen Wilson. Wow. No, that. <laughs> that's not what I need. Some guy. Is that what Google gives you, Owen Wilson? And it's like wow, wow. Um, somebody yeah, once told me that my National basketball, basketball Association. Wow. Somebody once told me that my basketball game reminded them of a, a blend of Andre Kirilenko and Chris Anderson. Wow. AK-47. <laughs> Wait, which Chris Anderson did I get? There he is. That's a different one. I need his basketball. Oh my god, this is bad. Uh, talk. About, is there anything else? All right, let's see. When did they play in Denver? Uh, Chris Anderson played for Denver from two thousand. Well, okay, from two thousand one to two thousand four, and then from oh eight, oh, yeah. from oh eight through eleven, twelve, like twenty eleven. And yeah, Wilson so Chandler Chan- played Chandler for Denver from. Do 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 do. That would have been the all neck tattoo team. Uh, 2011, 2012. Wait, yeah. Maybe. He played eight games for Denver yeah. in 2011-2012. Yeah. It's, it's entirely possible, right? Okay, all right, all right. So, that's, anyway, that's good, you uh, wanted to make more important... <laughs> you wanted to make more important Sixers Did points, I? right? Uh, yeah, so I, I have been inundated with messages from friends saying, hey, did you see the report that, uh, that the Memphis Grizzlies are looking to uh, entertain offers for Mike Conley and Mark Gasol? Yes, I did see that friends and it's a stupid idea and so everybody's like obviously nobody's talking about Marcus Gasol coming to the Sixers because that would just be asinine there's no way that Marcus Gasol and uh, Joel Embiid can possibly play together it would be a train wreck but for those who are looking at Mike Conley and thinking you know what like maybe the Sixers could actually make this work let me just warn people and remind people that the only way to do it is to essentially gut the team uh, and that would include guys like Fultz, Chandler, probably needing somebody like Muscala in there just for the sake of, of offsetting costs. And then you'd need a young player like Korkmaz and his cap hit. And then you'd probably need something to sweeten it, maybe Landry Shamit. So you're essentially taking most of the bench and you're gutting it. Not that the bench is good, but you're gutting most of it for Mike Conley. And if, if you think about what kind of player Mike Conley is, um, he's a, a pretty ball-dominant point guard, which takes the ball out of Ben Simmons' hand. I would not you know, rest on the idea of Mike Conley being, you know, a starting two guard on this team. You look at what he's making this year. He's making just over 30 and a half million. Next year, he makes 32 and a half million. And then in 2020, he's got a player option for 34 and a half million dollars. And after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. He'll be 34, 
four, I believe, at that point. So really, you would you'd be looking to push all the chips in, right, on the next two years, um, and and that would also be you know with the idea that you would re-sign Jimmy Butler. You'd be so high, like, your 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 luxury tax that you would I think have to get into in order to fill out a roster would just be so unbelievable. Now it's not like Josh Harris can't afford it, but for that team, it doesn't make any sense. You know, unless the team decided that yeah. we're now going to make Ben Simmons the starting power forward on the team, he's going to be an off-ball facilitator, and that's the role he's going to play. It, it just doesn't make sense. Like you could have. This is the thing where I think if the Sixers were going to push all of the chips in, I think the place where they they missed their opportunity early in the season was trying to put together a deal for Bradley Beal. And this, you know, you can make the argument that it was before the Jimmy Butler move was made or even in the immediate aftermath. To me, that that was the move to make if you were going to push all the chips in because Bradley Beal is going to make, what, $25 million, I think, the next four years. He's also 25 yeah. years old, and he's been in the league for what six years seven years to me like mm-hmm. he was the guy that that clearly tracked as being somebody that you would need to trade some kind of decent you know assets probably including that 2020 um, miami pick but you put it together a package for him and and like there you've got your guy who can score off ball who can be a knockdown shooter who can re- create his own shot he plays very well off these other guys and now that he's gone on a tear and Washington's playing so much better without John Wall, who is an albatross. They're not going to be able to get rid of his forty million dollar cap hit unless you're able to like convince a, mm. I don't know, a, a Memphis. Actually, Memphis might actually be a, a pretty good landing spot for John Wall, or like a Phoenix, a team that mm. just cannot attract top quality free agents or, or stars. You know, you're you're kind of stuck. I would go live there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I look at this and, and to me, like Conley isn't a real option. Marcus All obviously is not an option. It's. You know, it's fun fodder. It's fun for the trade machine, but it doesn't make any sense for this team going forward. I have two quick thoughts on Sixers, then we can get on to the next thing unless you want to respond. Um, number one, they, I mean, obviously without Clint Capella on the floor, they had nobody to stop Joel Embiid. I mean, if you if your number one big is not there, you know, like we saw with the Raptors not having Ibaka and Valanchunas on the floor, uh, and like we saw last night with Clint Capella out there, Embiid is just going to feast down low. It's 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 crazy how much of a mismatch you know he is against uh, against backup bigs. You know, or you know if you're throwing like a Pascal Siakam or a Kenneth Freed or something on him because you're depleted or whatever. I mean, he he only shot one three pointer last night, and yet he had 30, 32, How many? What? However many points he had in like twenty some minutes. You know. Um, the other thing was that people who complain about this is more like a rhetorical question. Um, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other, honestly, contrary to what people believe. Like if you don't like Brett Brown's system, if you don't like motion, if you don't like dribble handoffs, if you don't like, you know, staggered dribble handoffs and horns and stuff like that, do you like last night was an example of like what you would probably be playing if you weren't playing that. So as fun as it is to watch like James Harden do his thing, and obviously, if Capella was there last night, the pick and roll game, it would have been like a clinic in that. But is that what Philly fans want? Is that what you want? You know, would you rather, if you don't like, you know, these DHOs and Embiid starting on the perimeter and stuff like that, would you rather just the Sixers become another pick and roll team? Yeah, I, you know, I can't I, see I, that I, playing I, well I, here. I mean, you, you kind of had that to some extent with Iverson, right? But like, yeah, like high, like heavy usage, and I know Joe Embiid is a high usage guy too, but his usage is different because you know it's it's you know the the high usage point guards and ball handlers like the ball doesn't touch anybody else, you know, not until they kick it out, until they go into pick and roll. But Joel is a high usage guy as a center who gets the second or third or fourth touch on the ball, you know. So 
I don't, I, I think one thing that I think people can complain about Brett's system. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's more than fair. I'm not out here defending Brett's system or saying it's better than any other system, but, um, I don't, I think people should at least kind of look at what the alternative would be if they weren't, they weren't playing that. If you trade Ben Simmons for like a traditional point guard, or like a ball dominant kind of, kind of person like that, like you said, like Mike Conley or something like that, then, you know, Embiid's going to be used in a lot of different ways. And again, you know, you talk about Butler and his fit in the team and what he likes offensively. It ain't his team. It's Joel, Joel Embiid's yep. team. Joel Embiid is really, really good in the DHO game uh, as a brush cut screen setter. Uh, two-man elbow with J.J. Redick. Uh, the Sixers run a lot of really, really effective horns sets. You know, two on the elbow, two down in the corners. So, I don't know. It's just something to think about. You know, did you like what you saw from the Rockets last night? Would you want to see that if it was your 6-1-0, 6-2. We'll take your calls after the break. Well, first, Bradford White, water heaters. And first, we have to have on Joe Santaliquito, who has a news story. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let's think about things that Joe Santaliquito could also report on. Uh, now, Joe's a nice – listen, Joe's a good dude. But I don't care. I have I, never I met him, so I, I don't feel any any sense just of, gotta, uh, just of whatever. Uh, we could take all the uh, the old Brian Williams memes and just replace the uh, the text with Joe Santaliquito. <laughs> I think that's like that's the, the new play. Can I tell a quick story? I love we stories. Had, um, we had Joe um, and Jeff McLean on SportsZone uh, five years ago. It was just 2014. Um, we had them on at the same time. And I remember it was really, really weird because we had Jeff booked, um, and he was coming in. And then Joe broke some story or wrote some story for CBS. So I guess my producer or it was just like an idea to have Joe on to talk about that. But we'd still have Jeff on, and we'd have them both there together. And it was like the Deshaun Jackson is a disruption gang member type of thing. So Joe sat there for three minutes talking about it. And before we finally got like a question to McLean or got him involved at all, and I just felt like a dickhead because it wasn't like my decision necessarily. But Joe just came on and talked about the story he broke for three minutes. And then Jeff didn't really have any opinion on it because it's not his story, you know. But I just remember it was so awkward to like to have those two guys sitting there next to each other. Imagine like you had like. Um, I don't know, Shield Kapadia booked for WIP, but then Joe broke this Philly voice story, and so you had Shield sitting there while Joe talks about his story. It was just like a very weird, awkward kind of... I kind of felt like a dickhead. I think I, I told McLean sorry about that afterwards, but I can't remember. It was just... Uh, it was uh, it was awkward. Breaking story. <laughs> Breaking news. Manny Machado is signing with the Philadelphia Phillies, first reported by Joel Santaliquito. Who said that? No. <laughs> okay, you scare me for a second. I'm, like, Fuck. I'm not prepared to talk about that. Right Breaking now. news. Bryce Harper yeah. will not be signing with yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies because he had a hangnail on his left toe, on his left big toe, and after he finished eating his sixth Wawa hoagie of the if day do, uh, in 35.6 seconds on the third Thursday in the month of January, he, found, he, found, <laughs> he found that, in fact, he had spilled mustard on his shirt. This this statistic was brought to you by Ruben Frank. Right. <laughs> As first reported by Joe Santaliquito. All right, I'm done. Uh, Give me a good Ruben Frank statistic. Is it? I have a really Ruben's awful... Ruben's like an encyclopedia, man. Ruben I have a really awful everything. comment about Ruben Frank. No, then don't do it. Well, it's not comment. awful. Just give me a good... St- I'll do a statistic. Here, I can tell you. Do you know who I, who I see whenever I look at Ruben Frank? I need to know if anybody else feels this. Do you remember uh, Viva La Bam? Bam Margera? Remember the show? Don, Don Vito? 
<laughs> I see I see Ruben Frank's avatar. Like I see oh. I see him on Twitter, and all I think is BAM! <laughs> and I imagine like when I oh, read God. his tweets with his stats, that's what I hear. Oh. I'm done. I'll give you a, re- a really good Rube stat. Let me think of uh, Carson Wentz is the first right-handed Christian quarterback from a f- from to be born above the 48th degree latitude north to throw for 417 yards in three straight games while a Republican is in the White House during a government shutdown. That's a great stat. And then he'll get four million likes on yep. that. I'm like, wow, that's an that's incredible. Stat. <laughs> All right, anyway, he let's would have had 418 the, um, yards, but he doesn't spread the ball around enough, as first reported by Joe San Liquido. All right, sorry. Um, it's it's taken us an hour into the show, and we're now just going to get around to the fact that uh, the late Roy Halladay was elected to the uh, or was was voted to the um, Baseball Hall of Fame. A very corrupt yeah. process. A bunch of frauds who most many of whom most of whom don't even uh, reveal publicly who their ballots are because they're frauds and again this is the uh this is the thing that jeff passan 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 i think it's passan i think it's passan uh, right? yeah. from e- now from espn formerly of yahoo uh tweeted out that there was a a massive discrepancy between voters who publicly released their ballots versus um kept them private specifically when it related to guys like um, Roger Clemens and, and Barry Bonds. And, and to me, I thought it was, I, I don't know if you were surprised by it. I don't know if you saw it, but I'll, I'll reveal it to you now. Um, mm. you know, I love baseball. Well, everybody loves baseball. It's a, it's a thriving sport. Uh, there were 232 ballots that were revealed, uh, publicly mm-hmm. 71.1% voted for Roger Clemens and 70.6% of those ballots voted for Barry Bonds. The flip side 193 ballots, so actually it was less than half, 193 ballots who remain private, only 45.6% of voters voted for Roger Clemens, and only 45.1% voted for Barry Bonds. That's a a, a difference of about 25% on Bonds, and uh, what is that, 26, uh, give or take, 25.5% on Roger Clemens. And that's the difference between having a public ballot versus a private ballot. And to me, that it's a staggering number. Like, I don't know why they don't just make all of the ballots public. You know, if, if you as a baseball writer continue to bash against a guy for presumably doing steroids or doing things that weren't on the up and up, being shady, I think the least you can do is make your ballot public. Like, what's the difference? Who cares? You know what uh, I mean? Like, it, it just seems, you know, a little bit hypocritical to me. It just seems like such a mess. All yeah, and, it's, and, yeah. and like, what is this supposed to be? Oh, the journalistic integrity. You know, we don't we don't want everyone to influence our votes for the next season. Like nobody cares. Just vote. Vote and make it public. It's dumb. You know? It's just a did stupid you, process. Um, did you like the story I did on Friday about the Wu Tang clan? I did. I didn't understand it because I don't know anything yeah. about the Wu Tang clan, but oh, but okay. I I got a kick out of it. Some people loved it and some people like Well this is like that it. uh what was it, the Americas? What was the, what was the one a couple months ago where somebody was like, I'm going to get my pickup truck and I'm going to find you, Kincaid, and your girl truck. I'm going to run you off the road. <laughs> Remember, it was like it was America's Most Wanted. Wasn't that it? Uh, uh, you desecrated yes. the name of this great nation. I'm going to find you. I'm going to teach you respect fine, about, the, about old glory. Sorry, I was just spitting out a little bit of my chewing tobacco. Yeah. I don't need none of you Yankee 
carpetbaggers coming down here and telling me what I, what I need to read on the journal. Damn kids with your hip hop and your sponge bab. Oh damn, good. You're always ready for the sound drop. I know, man. That's like my, my drop board is actually just my you know, cell phone. You, well, no, um, I know. I, I saw that. I watched the uh, the live feed of you on the, uh, uh, Brace and Tansy's podcast. What was that one? Uh, the, the Philadelphia, oh, thanks, was yeah. it the, the, the Union, Union Soccer, Soccer Pod? Pod? Yeah, I watched yeah. that on Facebook Live. There you go, man. I appreciate that. Listen, the Wu-Tang Clan is coming to Philly next uh, next week. I think there's still tickets like $100. I'm sure I'll probably end up dropping the money on it. But uh, yeah, Making I was big like, bucks at Crossing Broad. I'm going to do, do a fun kind of whatever the hell kind of thing. And of course, the, the complaints are like, I, I'm not going to click on this. Oh, this like, trash. Yeah, on at, a, what is yeah. this called? A sports, sports yeah. blog? I hate fun. I hate having fun. God forbid, you know. Or they're like, or I like when people. I like when we get criticism where it's like, this is, sounds like a topic that would go on the radio. You guys always make fun of the radio, but this is a topic that would be on the radio. Well, the reason we make fun of it is because on the radio they talk about it over and over and over again. Like it doesn't mean that those topics aren't like valid, like to talk about maybe like once a week on the Crossing broadcast or something like that. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about Carson Wentz for fucking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's like our Whatever. You know, the reason we make fun of that and they go to the Mount Rushmore of like Philly jabronis or something like that is because they don't have anything fucking else to talk about because they've they've hammered the, the meaningful topics into the ground. Because they're not allowed to talk about the other teams that aren't, you know, green. Yeah, I mean, God forbid you talk about the fucking one. I mean the Flyers are terrible, else, but God forbid, you know, so. you know, anybody calls about the well, they didn't even talk about yeah because nor, but normally like well, if the Carson Wentz thing didn't break yesterday, they would have been talking about the Saints getting dicked in the playoffs. They would have been talking about the Patriots. They've been talking about the NFL overtime rules, you know, which I wrote uh, up my complaint on on Monday about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't we don't. It's not like I, I don't. It just like bugs me when people are like, well, this is a radio sports radio topic. Well, it's a, like yes, you can talk about like things, but the reason we make fun of it is because they just talk about the same shit over and over and over again. Like I don't, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't even, even think it's this, that as much as it is. It's like radio. Like everybody like, who calls into the radio and proposes something, the host is like, yeah. oh, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Like we've never heard it before. And it's like, like, you know, oh, no, Sally two fingers, you know, four calls ago mentioned the exact same yeah. thing. And you thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now you're going to present it as oh, if yeah. it's I new. Mean, like my, for me, I, I can't speak for like, like you and Kyle or other people. My complaints with the radio are more about like, like the callers and the production and the formatting less about like about the to the top yeah i don't, I don't like care that, what the callers you know? say you know like yeah I really I, don't i'm not here either. to listen to it i'm not and like that's that's why i've gotten away from listening jim bob jim bob from tennessee is gonna talk about that tupac song them them america's most wanted that's a disrespect why do you have to make everybody sound flag. like they're a, a southerner with a a, a wad of of uh skull in their lip huh that's, That's true. offensive. Evil. Don't use identity politics dumb, on the on the listeners of the Crossing broadcast. It's just a dumbness. It's offensive. <laughs> dumbness hides in plain sight. Uh, speaking speaking of things that annoy me, like I, so the NHL. You've been trying so NHL. hard to get to this NFL playoff overtime rule thing. I want to. Yeah, I want to. I want to. The NFL overtime rules. How do you feel about um, them? Well, I dislike them. I don't agree with them. I think they're outrageous. Why do I you feel that the, way? The the the. the, the, the well, the, the, I'll go back to what I wrote in the story. Like everybody's gonna sit here and say, I always say that my my this is how every argument goes with this thing, no matter who I talk to. Well, I I say I don't like the NFL overtime rules because I think that the other team should be able to get a possession of the football, and then other people say, well, the defense should just get a stop and get off the field. Okay, 
I mean, I understand what you're saying, but those two things are not equal, right? Uh, you have two offensive units and two defensive units on two teams. And if you're looking for the most balanced way to do it, one team gets a possession and your offense plays against their defense, then the other offense plays against your defense. So if you equate that to, you know, like tennis was the example that I used. Imagine like if the ever popular sport of tennis, take any, any sport where you have a service, Okay. Okay. Tennis, volleyball, ping pong. Excuse like, me, that's table tennis. Like, table tennis. Um, do you serve in water polo? Mm, no, you don't. No. There's no net in water polo. Okay, sorry. I didn't um, know there was going to be a, twi- a quiz on obscure sports. Yeah, me neither. But, like, so tennis is the best example. So imagine if it goes into a tiebreaker and, you know, Roger Federer gets to serve seven times in a row. And Rafael Nadal has to break serve seven times in a row. Like, are you going to sit here and say, well, he should have just broken serve? No, it doesn't no, seem right. Break, breaking serve is harder than serving. Yeah. And anybody who watches the NFL and follows the rule changes knows that the rule changes in the way the game is now, they're much more favorable to the offense and the defense, you know? So, plus these defenses are going out there. They're, both the defenses are gassed, so whoever loses the coin flip is at a disadvantage because you're putting your gassed unit on the field against a more fresh unit that dictates tempo and play and where they're going. So I appreciate that there's a sudden death aspect to it, and I think that raises the stakes, but you can't just say, you know, they go down the field and score and that's it. We didn't get to see Patrick Mahomes at all. You know, and likewise, like people were accusing me, they're saying like, well, you're only saying that because you don't like the Patriots and the Patriots won. No, that's not true because if Patrick Mahomes had gotten the ball and he had gone down the field and he had scored – we would have been robbed of the opportunity to see Tom Brady put together another amazing friggin' comeback, you know? So from a marketing standpoint, entertainment standpoint, the NFL is just shooting itself in the foot right off the bat. But from a competition and a balance standpoint, you can't tell me that each team shouldn't have a possession. It's like in baseball, in baseball, like imagine if you hit a home run in the top of the 10th inning and that was it. And like the home team didn't get to bat. Like how are you ever going to justify that? Yeah, I got you. You know, you, you can't because it's just, it's, and I know people also say, "Well, you had this whole fucking regulation to determine a winner. yada yada yeah, yada." Sure, but like, don't, don't shoot, don't don't cut off your nose to spite your face. You know, like keep the action. Let going, me let me know? propose a really uh, insane rule change. The NHL has gone to uh, Excuse the me. NHL went to a uh, an overtime format a few years ago. That is, uh, I don't know. I I think it's it's pretty exciting. Right, like go three on three. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and so like I, I look at it. I love now. This is why the three on three doesn't, you know, obviously work. They don't do it in the playoffs. But like, imagine doing seven on seven for the NFL for overtime. Imagine what that would look like. I'm not. I'm not advocating for it. I think it'd be terrible. Mm -hmm. But like, just just imagine what that would look like. This is the thing that I I guess I, I struggle with to some extent. I like the idea of both teams getting to possess the ball. I I think fundamentally, when you say we have two teams in a championship game, right, in this NFC championship, and you're going to give Drew Brees the ball first. It stands to reason that Drew Brees at home in the Superdome is going to manage to go down and he's going to score a touchdown because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game, leading one of the best offenses in the game, in one of the hardest places to play if you're a road team in the entire league, in the National Football League. The National Football League. The National Football League. 
and it's not, it's and like you take all of those things well it's in the south it's it's you know new orleans so if you oh. if you uh I don't, I don't know if you're good with geography but uh yeah it's in the south anyway i used to live down there um, i should know it. when when you take all those things into account like yeah drew Brees should score a touchdown and if he doesn't he should in theory be penalized for that right so that's why i get the idea of you know, a field goal doesn't wrap the game up like it used to. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But Jared Goff should have the opportunity to go the other way. And, you know, Drew Brees yeah. going down, scoring a touchdown when he's supposed to, the way that he's supposed to with the team and, and everything on his side. Like, I get it. I would almost advocate if you're going to keep the stupid rule, you don't even flip the coin. You let the road team possess the ball first because they have a harder time. They're going to inherently have a harder time on the road putting up points where they should in theory have a harder time putting up points on the home team now again i'm not advocating this because i think it's it's stupid but like yeah give the disadvantaged team the ball first if you're going to stick with this dumb arbitrary rule i mean i like the i understand what people are saying about that the that the the defense you are rewarded for a defensive stop by then being able to win the game by kicking a field goal but still, it's not. It's two different things. Like, let's just make it as balanced as possible for both for both teams. I, I conceptually, I don't like the idea that if there's two offenses and two defenses, and one offense and one defense comprise fifty percent of the players, that we could and we could decide an overtime period without fifty percent of the players even seeing the field. Like, I don't like that at yeah. all. College football, I love because they start them at the twenty-five. The first team goes. If they score a touchdown, the other team gets to score a touchdown and match. You know, if they score a field goal, the other team can kick a can score a touchdown and win. And if they get to the third overtime when they score a touchdown, assuming both teams score, they have to go for two. So it doesn't keep. That's usually what decides it. You know, you don't keep going on and on and on and on forever. So if you're going to do something like that in the NFL, maybe you move them back to the 50 yard line, the 40 yard mm-hmm. line, um, and say, all right, New England, you get the ball, score a touchdown, kick a field goal, or turn the ball over. And then whatever happens, we're going to give New Orleans a ball at the 50 or um, the Chiefs a ball at the 50, score a touchdown, kick a field goal, or do nothing, you know? And then that way you can say, okay, at least we got to see both offenses and both defenses on the field. And that was just the most balanced and fair way to do it. You know, I just, I just don't – that's what I'm trying to get people to see. Like I'm, you, you want things to be all in, inclusive and whatever, and you want them to be as balanced on each side as possible. I appreciate the sudden death – high stakes thing of having to get a defensive stop, but I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes sitting on the fucking sidelines for all of overtime without a chance to even doing yep. anything. I agree. It's not good for the game. It's just not. Yeah. This this nonsense is not good for the game. But whatever. No, the offici- officiating was a bigger problem, but that's a yeah, whole other thing I don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole. Do you wanna do you want to talk about the last thing that we had written down yeah. here? Should well we okay. To? So okay. uh <clears throat> You can introduce it. So Claude Giroux is going to be representing the Flyers in the All-Star game this week. The Flyers are on a bye week. And that got me thinking about things that uh, have been done well in hockey and things that have been done poorly. And one of the things that has been done poorly in the past is Gary Bettman, the commissioner, not allowing players to go abroad uh, for the Olympics. And then that got me thinking and that got us talking or these things happened about the same time. Um, there was something that happened locally, and it's not to do with hockey at all. It's about everybody's favorite sport, soccer. And uh, Ernst Tanner, Ernst, it's a good name, Ernst Tanner, who uh, came to the Philadelphia Union from Germany by way of Hoffenheim, right? Um, no, not Schalke. Uh, Red Bull. Red Bull oh, yeah, that's right, Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ernst Tanner came to, uh, to the Union 
and he's got a, a, a very interesting way about going about things. For those who might have missed it, and I brought this up to Anthony on the Press Row Show or something, um, he traded away every draft pick that the uh, the Union had in uh, this year's uh, MLS Super Draft for allocation money, which we're not going to explain on this show. Go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia for more on that. Um, but something really interesting happened. The the Union have had a couple of guys uh, get called up to... Uh, to the UN's men's national team camp, and I think uh, Kevin, as the soccer expert here, you should uh, you should pick up from there. So, basically, the issue is the union have a guy named Mark McKenzie, uh, who's going to be who's part of the United States. Uh, he's playing with the senior national team, but he's also eligible to play in the under twenty World Cup in the summer. Okay. So it's a competition. It's just like the regular World Cup, but it's for guys 20 and younger, right? So the union don't want to release him to go play in that tournament because they want him to stay in Philadelphia and play for the union. So the the issue here is a couple things. Number one, I'm sure the player would want to go play in the World Cup. Like, absolutely, the the opportunity to go represent your country and on the on the world stage and have that opportunity and showcase your town against some of the best young players in the world of course you would want to do it now the union obviously don't want that because they'd rather have one of their best players playing for them you know so it goes hand in hand with the ice hockey thing like russ is saying who does it better serve does it serve the team to keep him here sure or does it serve the player better to let him go so this is the quote that ernst tanner said today regarding the situation he said, for sure it affects our situation, but, you know, under 20 is a youth competition. If somebody is a regular player in the first team, especially if you watch a schedule, you can miss up to six to seven games. That has a major impact on us, and there's no obligation to release a player, which you surely know. So that has to be discussed with us, the player, and the association, and we will do it at the right time. But we also have some interest in the player, and I would say it's nice to play the youth competition, but if you're an important member of a main competition, it's a bigger value. I had the same question with Roberto Firmino in 2011. Firmino plays for Liverpool now. You might know him. He played for Hoffenheim in 2011. Don't know him? Exactly. Google him! I had the same problem with Firmino in 2011, the same question. We decided that he was kept at the club, and he had a fantastic season afterwards, and that was more or less one of the reasons why he was selected for the Brazilian national team. Mark McKenzie is already in touch with the United States national team, so what are we talking about? So this is kind of a – this is, isn't really a soccer – thing it's more of like a sports thing in general it's like imagine if you applied it to basketball imagine like they took a imagine like the olympics was in the middle of the nba season but by letting guys go to the olympics they'd miss like two or three games so imagine if joel Embiid wanted to go play for cameroon in the olympics but he was going to miss a game against the knicks and a game against the bulls and a game against the hawks would you want him to go no of course not. No, of of course you you wouldn't. And what especially if, because what if what if Joel what if Joel comes to you and he says, "Look, this is a huge opportunity. This is really important for me to be able to represent my country and wear the jersey and go play against the Spanish national team and, you know, me and Pascal Siakam and Lupa Mute are going to get to play against the United States and we're all going to represent Cameroon. Like, how would you react to his wishes?" I don't even know, man. It, you know what I mean? Yeah, and what, it's, what it's, is is it, there a solution that works for for both for both? I people? don't think there is. He, like, and you know, either way, somebody's going to feel like they're going to lose out. I mean, I, I could sympathize with the player because you would want to represent your country, even though it it you know 
Ernst Tanner is looking at this very pragmatically as being it's a very german way of looking it is at it, dude. it's just like no no bullshit like what makes the most sense I yeah, know. but it removes like the emo it removes the emotional side i tend to know mm-hmm. a lot about the germans and the way they think um yeah 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 well um well it, it's not too surprising either because you know ernst is uh is a german word meaning serious so uh you know don't try yeah. to crack jokes around him but um <clears throat> I don't know. I, I sympathize with the player because you would want to represent your country, even though mm-hmm. it's a uh, you know a youth competition, as Tanner said it. I mean, it's it's still the U twenty World just, Cup. It's not, not like a, yeah. It's not like he's going <laughs> yeah. out to to play like Pen Fusion, right? Like this is it's not this like it's is, a friendly. This is like cool. You get to put it on your yeah. your country's you know crest. You get to go out and represent your nation, and and sure, like the ratings aren't going to be anything insane, and and like nobody's going to know you know. Mark McKenzie from, uh, I don't know, insert other McKenzie name Bobby here, from from, uh, from uh, Bob McKenzie of TSN. Like nobody's gonna know the difference. Well, actually, you could, they're very different people. But you get the point. Like, give give the kid the opportunity. Here's the other thing. You know, if you're the Philadelphia Union and you're upset that you know your uh, your your back line depth is gonna be hurt because you're. Uh, you know, pawning off McKenzie or, or you don't want him to go to the U-20 World Cup. Mm-hmm. Here's an idea. Don't trade away a uh, 25-year-old outside back who, uh, you know, could have well, helped that's you the out thing. in they a three-back system. Than, have, you know. Yeah, they have more than enough depth there, and they signed Aurelian Collin to be the fourth center back anyway, so they're fine there. But, like, there's two things. There's two, like, wrinkles to this. Number one, what if Mark McKenzie goes to the World Cup and has, like, a fucking phenomenal World Cup? And the United States wins the U-20 World Cup and Arsenal has scouts there and they say, hey, you know what, Philadelphia Union, we'll pay you $10 million for Mark McKenzie. You going to take that? Number two, the other wrinkle is imagine you are trying to sell kids and parents on joining the Philadelphia Union Academy in King of Prussia. And they see Mark McKenzie come up through the ranks, get to play for the Union, and the Union don't let him go to the World Cup. Like, is somebody going to see that and say, I'm not going to go play for this team if they're not going to release me to, like, go play for my country, go represent my country? You know, you, it's, a, it's a risky thing because you're you're selling these kids on the idea that you're going to have all these opportunities with us, but if you're not going to release them for a national competition, then is that going to change people who want to participate or, or, or if they want to go another route, join another academy, go to college, get a different – go through – play a different sport? I, I don't know. It's just, like, a lot – it's a lot to think about and it's a good problem to have, but listen, any good soccer team, any good ice hockey team, any good basketball team, you're always going to have issues with conflicts and releasing guys for competition. Even look at like Dario Saric this summer. He always, he comes back two years in a row. He came back to Philly and he started out slow because he was on national team duty with Croatia in the summer. You know, while other guys like Joel and Ben were like working on their games or working in the gym together, or doing whatever they were doing, where Dario was like kind of exhausted from playing extra games, or so was it's, he it's, exhausted it's, from uh, from a lot of nights out at the club and bar hopping? As first oh, reported well, by Joe Santaliquido. I think we'll leave Sorry. it at that. I'm done. He didn't report that. That we know. But it's of. not really a union. You know what I mean? It's not really a union story. It's more of like a it's a club versus country kind of thing. It's a basketball thing. It's a ice hockey thing. It's a like would the Flyers let Ivan Provorov go play in the fucking junior nationals or whatever you guys have in hockey? You know, if if, <laughs> wherever if, if, if you it, have or, over there, whatever, <laughs> yeah, whatever you guys do. What in are hockey. you trying to say about world junior? Like, I am professional benef- hockey player. He doesn't sound like that. <laughs> does it benefit Ivan Provorov to go play a bunch of? Like twenty 
23 year old Siberians. I don't know. Yeah, would you rather have him playing against the Hurricanes and the Devils? No, of course not. Hashtag lose for Hughes. Let us get number one overall pick. That sounds great. As first reported by Joseph Liquido. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond. <laughs> let me ask you a question. How do you think is better quarterback? Carson Wentz or Nick Foles? Do you expect me to talk? Da. No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Goldfinger. What a weird. 1963. What a weird show we've had. It was a good show. This is uh, this is what Crossing Broadcast has become, for better or worse. <laughs> Just two guys who like soccer talking about other sports. Is that what this and that'll is? do it for this episode. <laughs> come Thank for the uh, what was it? I was trying to think earlier. It's like come for the sports, stay for the uh, the puking the puking exorcism stories. <laughs> There's like some pregnant woman who's been listening to the show. She yarked like 34 minutes in. And she's just like, she made it to the end, and she's going to regret having made it here. All right, anyway, well, if uh, if you're currently in labor, apologize, uh, apologies. Anyway, uh, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including, hey, guess what? Nah. Guess what, Kevin? Crossed up with Anthony and Bob. They uh, they dropped a oh, new episode yeah. on, a, oh, on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve. Uh, <laughs> I have so many wrestling thoughts going through my head. I'm going to keep them to myself. I joked with uh, Coggin today that we need to start a wrestling podcast because I'm sure. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we actually put out yeah. a uh, a wrestling podcast? We'd call it like crossing, it. crossing the Ropes or something. And it ended up getting like 16,000 <laughs> listeners or something. And it's all just like. 20-something to 40-something-year-old guys who somehow got back into it and hate themselves for being, you know, roped into the fact that Braun Strowman got pulled from the Royal Rumble yeah. and Finn Balor is supposed to be sold as going up against Brock Lesnar. And then Lesnar in the, halfway, halfway through the podcast, the Sandman kicks down Coggins' door and beats him with the Singapore King. By God! By God, King, that's the Sandman's music! That's the Sandman's music! By God, I haven't seen the Sandman since he and The Undertaker got into it back in 1997! My God, King, I can't believe it. Puppies, JR. No, God, 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 King. Anyway, so uh, they dropped a new episode of uh, Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. Uh, Anthony and I will be back later this week with an episode of Snow the Goalie. We might have a, a guest on. We're not sure yet. We're figuring that one out. Uh, definitely not a player. We, we had two players on last week. We're taking a break from players. And plus, uh, I don't know what player is going to want to come on with the uh, Snow the Goalie curse uh, in, in full effect at this point. Uh, but we shall see. And uh, do you have another uh, episode of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia coming up soon? Maybe? Uh, you dropped yeah, one over the I weekend, like right? It. Episode, was it 63? Uh, 69. Was it really? Nice. Wow. Hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think. Crossing Grad FC? I don't know. We might put out a show this week. Oh, there's Broad Lines. Broad Lines is the show uh, for those who have been subscribed to this channel. It's uh, It's... Well, Kyle's on the uh, initial iteration of it, and Bob has kind of implied on that show or elsewhere that uh, it might not be Kyle full-time, but it'll be uh, Bob, and I don't know who else is going to be on that show, but it's uh, it's a sports betting thing, so if you've been following that kind of stuff, if you want to become a uh, degenerate gambler or a casual gambler, or not a gambler at all, you just want to understand what the lines are, uh, they're going to be, I guess, starting a new podcast channel called Broad Lines. It's part of the sports betting oh, yeah. vertical with crossing broads wow, so uh wow 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 so i guess go uh wow, go check wow, all those wow. things out and uh 
I don't know, Kevin. Maybe we'll come back later this week. Uh, if if not this week, I think in the next week or so, we have to have the uh, you and Anthony pod to uh, to talk about sources. I think that'll talking be talking sources with Kevin Kincaid and Anthony Sanfilippo. You're listening to NPR. <laughs> Thanks for joining my TED Talk. All right. We will uh, talk to everybody soon. Keep an eye peeled to uh, your podcast feed and all that and Twitter. Follow us on there at Joy Umbrot, at Kevin underscore Kincaid. For Kevin, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again soon.